Hello and welcome to the Books to the Boardroom podcast. The podcast where we talk to CEOs, CFOs and executives about their career journey from an accounting or finance background through to leadership positions. We explore the challenges, the triumphs and the sequence of events that made them the leaders they are today. My name is Sumit Desanayake. I'll be your co-host. This podcast is proudly brought to you by my company Briska. Briska is a CA force outsourcing partner. We take care of a company's transactional finance functions and allow CA force to focus on the strategic, enjoyable part of their job. Show notes can be found at briska.com.au/podcast and click in on the relevant episode link. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today's guest is Andrew Rogers, an accomplished professional who has worked in resources, professional services and as an executive advisor at Key Beauty Business School. Throughout this episode we explore Andrew's views on leadership, getting the most out of your staff, how and who to hire and what important traits an accountant must have. Having worked in many positions within the C-suite, Andrew is a wealth of knowledge. Jack Ferguson co-hosted this episode. Let's get started. Thank you for inviting me uh, this evening to have a chat to you guys about where I've been up to and what I've been doing. Um, I took a career break well, about six months ago and I've been working with my charities and uh, getting more involved with some of the other companies I'm either a chairman of or a director of and because uh, I've ignored them for a little while <laughs> and because uh, yeah, I've been travelling quite a bit and it's been quite exciting to get back involved and I have to say reconnect with Brisbane because it's been a while since I've you know spent a lot of time here. Nice. So where have you been travelling to? Uh, you pick a country. Port- Portugal. <laughs> no, definitely haven't been to Portugal, but, uh, but you know, I spent a lot of time in London okay. and, and I've spent a lot of time in Asia as right. well and uh, in the United States so over the last four or five years. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And is that something you've always done? Like some people go through their career and they don't do a lot of travelling and they perhaps try and catch up at one stage or were you always someone who would travel throughout... I'd say I've been travelling since the mid-90s. Okay. And uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll deliberately take a role that says, okay, I'll stay in Brisbane for at least a week or two. <laughs> uh, and uh, other times uh, I'm constantly travelling. So the last role that I was uh, working in um, was a CFO's role in a listed company in London and we had operations in Asia. So there was a lot of travel involved. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And what's the saying? I think it goes something like, um, "Traveling's the only thing you can spend money on and come back richer." Is that? Would you agree with that? Oh no, I have to say the thing I've enjoyed is I have not caught a plane since September last year. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh, I got the the notification from Singapore Airlines. I'm no longer a member of their PPS club. I'm okay. a lowly gold member, which is nice. <laughs> and and uh, you know, with Qantas, I'm only a platinum member now instead of platinum one so it's really nice yeah and right uh, okay yeah that was my ambition for last year was to go down status points <laughs> right right yeah. nice so um you mentioned brisbane there is this where you grew up is this where it all started yes born and bred here in bris vegas as i call it when i go overseas and, <laughs> uh, yeah look it's to me it's it's a wonderful place to live and mm-hmm. it certainly yeah. uh, you know it has its limitations but it also has uh, a lot of other things, I think, make up for those limitations. Right. And f- when you say limitations, um, some people think about that from the career perspective. Is that your, yeah, your I think, view as well? Uh, unfortunately, I think Brisbane doesn't have a lot of you know, really senior roles here mm-hmm. outside of, you know, we'll call it maybe 20 or 30 companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you really want to do something that I, that I call exciting, yeah, right. um, you, you are travelling. 
Right. Yeah. And when you say exciting, what is exciting to you? What's exciting to me is certainly not rocking up to the office at nine o'clock in the morning going home at five, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, what's exciting for me is actually going into a business and making a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so regardless of what C-suite you know, title I've had, uh, if I go in there, I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the people are very important. You've got to make sure you have the right people on the, on the journey with you. Mm-hmm. See, people and processes are the thing people talk about. Well, processes are, are very simple. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you can write it out. Um, but if you don't get the team on board, mm-hmm. you're going to need a lot of processes to deal with that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and and what have you found over time's helped with recruiting the right people, retaining the right people? Like, how, how do you approach that? Um, I guess I, I rely a little bit on gut feel. Mm. Uh, you can ask all the technical questions. Mm. You can ask, you know, what what's your favourite hobbies and those type of things, and <clears throat> all the you know, putting through psychometric testing and. Uh, the only ones I've ever done says proven I am crazy, but um, but the the issue I guess is the um, the chemistry. Mm. You know, you've mm. got to have people around you, you trust, mm. and they've got to trust you, and you do that by treating them as you want to be treated. Mm. Yeah, you know, a lot of, of people get into uh, I'll call it the the, the C suite, and suddenly. Um, they've been elevated to a whole new status. Mm. Uh, They're better than everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think from where I sit, you know, I've got a, uh, a view on life that you've got a role to do, like everybody else has. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you just happen to be the one that uh, takes the kicks from the board, as opposed to, and you should absorb them. I don't think uh, the CEO should be wandering around and mm. creating mischief and mayhem within the business just because they've had a bad day at the board meeting. Yeah, yeah. of course. So um, when you perhaps started hiring people for the first time did you make mistakes early on or was it something you were pretty good at just straight oh, off the bat i wouldn't say i was good at that <laughs> okay I mean, certainly, right. uh, yeah you um you learn through it's experiential yeah. mm-hmm. you know um you can go through you know how to interview people and how you've been interviewed in the past and it's okay they're the type of questions you should ask but after a while you sort of get to just understand what you want mm. uh, and i've taken some punts on people that i've that on paper don't fit right. what you're looking for yep but you just get that feeling that they'll actually rise to the occasion and as long as you you know help them get there mm-hmm. uh, i think that uh, they're some of my best hires to be honest yeah right awesome yeah it's more about like you know whether the journeys are sort of you know crossing so what they want to achieve is what we want to achieve so that you they stay longer and you know we get the best benefit out of them I've had some very highly technically qualified accountants that, quite frankly, couldn't communicate themselves <laughs> themselves. <laughs> so, you know, you, you really want people who can. And accounting, in my mind, has always been about explaining uh, concepts to yeah. people who are non non-financial. non-financial. Yeah. Mm. And so, if you can't communicate, um, good that's luck. Good. <laughs> yeah. Let's call it a computer. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right, and so. Um, you're talking about accounting here and obviously you got into accounting at one stage but I see here on your CV that um, you studied engineering. Yes, I started off uh, and there actually is a connection, believe it or not, and I'll try and draw that very tenuous connection, but I enjoy building things mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I enjoyed the old Star Trek and Correct. I thought one day at the pace that we were going, I might get to go to space so I need to study engineering to go to space. Yeah. Funny enough, we didn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed engineering, but I also did do uh, business subjects within that. And I found I was actually more interested in those than what I was in the technical aspects of the engineering. Also didn't happen. It was the help. It was the early 80s. And 
all the best engineering graduates were delivering pizza or uh, working in drive-in bottle shops. Yeah, you know, right. There was not a lot of jobs around for a while. Mm -hmm. and um, So it was the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I either did law or accounting, and uh, my father wanted me to do law, so I did accounting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, seriously, it's, it was because I enjoy... Um, I thought, if I'm going to run businesses, I actually need to understand when somebody's putting something in front of me, what does that mean? Mm. Yeah. And... Uh, because we've all seen wonderful companies have strong balance sheets fall over tomorrow. Yeah. And if you're not capable of looking through those numbers, um, in my mind, anyway, there's others will disagree, um, you find it difficult to actually make informed decisions. You, you make gut feeling decisions, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who can do that very well. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's, that's why I did accounting mm. was to actually run businesses and largely you know regardless of the title i've been involved in you know the running of the business and mm -hmm. uh that's what i find exciting and taking it back to my engineering is because i enjoy building things yeah right mm. you know <clears throat> and so for me building so a company i was um, number two in back in uh, the late 90s when i joined it it was turning over you know call it 20 million which was still a lot of money in those days and when I left or when we sold the business it was turning over nearly five times that and that was in the space of four years wow. right. so it was exponential growth hmm. uh, and so you know the challenges that come with that you've got to apply a certain level of thinking you've got to think quickly and yeah. at the same time learn how to dance yeah and did you did anything from the engineering background or you know study help with the actual accounting or any any mindsets that you you find well i did electrical engineering so there's yeah, a right. lot of numbers in that and engineering yeah, okay. by definition has a lot of numbers yeah yeah in it. Um, but what i found it did for me was it created a different way of thinking mm -hmm. and so uh, i like to walk the, the business you know so i like to understand the business uh, even when i was a junior accountant so i could say well that's what that truck's doing or that's what that piece of machinery is doing what's the impact and where can I see that on the financial statements? And so that was my engineering brain. Look, yeah. why does it why does it work? Why does it work that way? Hmm. You know, how do I work, make it work better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's how I applied into into business. Yeah, completely agree. Like you know, the engineering and accounting goes hand in hand most of the time. I've seen many professionals, like you know, professional accountants, they got the engineering background, and they're doing better than those who just uh, have done the accounting because of their you know mathematical and analytical work you can easily relate to and you know analyze further and you know and, and you conceptualize too because yeah. engineering is much about uh, you know some of it's about, about dreaming that's you know, right. how do I make this thing work yeah. as opposed to oh, it, it, it works that's yeah. good mm -hmm. mm. and and when you when you were at university studying where where was this is this Brisbane still yes it was uh, QIT okay cool yeah. so first job out of uni well, first job out of uni, so I'd, I'd done my engineering and hadn't worked out what I wanted to do when I grew yeah. up. So I actually went and worked in retail for a couple of oh years. Oh, right. Yeah, so I worked as a sales guy. Yep. Uh -huh. And uh, that was a, I had a bit of fun mm -hmm. with that. Uh, Realised that's probably not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And then morphed into a finance company and learned how to financial products work. And then I went in and started assistant accountant role. So I worked my way up from the junior clerk if you like, all the way through to being the CFO of an ASX 100. And, it, and so that to me gives a, a different perspective when you're asking somebody to do something, you actually know how it's supposed to be yeah. done mm. as opposed to applying it from a theoretical yeah, point of view. True. So I did my accounting degree part-time, so I did it at night. Right. <laughs> um, 
and uh, got married and bought a house and all those at the same time. So yep. I was a child bride. <laughs> um, and, 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 and so the, uh, you know, you just worked hard at it. Mm. And so that's an interesting point about working from from the bottom, let's say, all the way way mm. to the top. Um, ha- have you found that that's been really important for you? Is that, is that is that correct to say? I think it's given me credibility in places where mm. people would say you've got no. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of and for those who are watching who have never done that. Yeah, I apologise, yeah. but mm-hmm. those that just come straight out of uni and uh, basically get into doing the accounting, they yeah. forget mm. about how the rest of it comes together. So when they're mm. looking for problems, they can't mm-hmm. conceptualise where that issue may start. Mm. So look, I mean, it's not that I use those skills. I mean, I'll tell a uh, story. I mean, I was CEO of, CEO of a retail re- um, roll-up years ago. And up until probably that time, I was always taking on um, work experience kids out of university. So I was actually giving them mm. training them. And uh, in this particular organisation, I had a lawyer like a under, lawyer undergraduate and an undergraduate accountant. And um, I'll cut a very long story short, but what I had was the lawyer stayed with me for about eight weeks because I was teaching him about franchising law, I was teaching him about property law and all those type of things that I'd sort of picked over the years and yeah. talked with the lawyers. He was a grade four average student, right? But I, but I brought him in because I thought, you know what, I can see something here. So he went mm. from basically not being employable, if you like, by the big firms to the experience that he got working with us went straight into the one of the big three so that 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 when I go back to my earlier story about you know you hire for aptitude and and uh, and ability and mm. and all the technical stuff should follow yeah. my undergraduate accountant um, after about three days sitting in the accounts team came to me and said oh, I've got a course I'd like to do next week and I said I'm, I think you do don't you because he was getting bored and I uh, said, well, I give every opportunity for people to ask questions and what's your question? And and as it came out, I thought, yeah, of course, that was all. He said, so how do I get from what I was doing? I said, you mean processing invoices and doing journal entries? He said, yes. And he said, how do I get to your job? And I said, well, okay, you're smarter than me. So, 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 I, so I reckon it's probably going to take you 10 years, Yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> to go from being you know, yep. a lowly accountant to, to being CEO. I said, it took me 12. <laughs> so you're, you're a bit smart. And he said, well, why so long? I said, well, there's this thing called experience. Mm, and, and I look yeah. back at some of my time, you know, I would do differently now uh, at, at my age if I was doing that then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we all came out of university thinking we knew absolutely everything and yeah, only to be proven right. that we didn't. Mm. Um, and so that, that story always stuck with me, or that experience, I should say, because... Um, there was somebody who was academically very bright, yeah, but had no idea. And there was somebody who mm-hmm. was just pushing, pushing himself through university, you know, living away from home, all that type of stuff, barely making it. Who really wanted to make it work? Yeah, you know. So anyway, right. And what are, what is your thoughts on university? Oh, see, I still do work with some of the universities, oh, okay. so I'd probably, that's probably pass. Be, I'm going to pass on that yeah. one. <laughs> they, they know how I feel. <laughs> um, uh, what I will say is I think, unfortunately, um, the universities have gone down the path of being far more theoretical mm. than they have been um, providing the workforce ready graduates like they should mm. need to. They'll argue it's all about we teach them concepts and how to think. That's good. 
But if you look at some of the large accounting firms, I understand they're now moving away from yeah. just hiring uh, graduate mm. accounts and they're going to train whoever wants to come in to be an accountant. So if I got that wrong, I apologise, but that's why I understand it's happening. So they're actually moving away from accounting schools and those type of things. So um, that's what tells you something, mm. I think. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I've had accountants that can't work for me and they cannot do a bank reconciliation to save themselves. Right. And uh, now, should accountants do that? Well, in those days, yes. Uh, these days, no, because we've got AI has taken systems, over a lot yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's probably a comment. Uh, my career path, I don't think, is open to really? a lot of people anymore yeah, because right. a lot of those jobs now have either disappeared, been offshored, or a computer does it. That's right. So, you know, we're going to end up with a lot of highly intelligent people that probably don't know where something should go on a balance sheet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very interesting. So, um, all right, so we, we talked about um, first job, second job. Is that where we're up to in your uh, story, I well, think? I don't know, probably past all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I skip over some of it. Um, oh, good. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, um, I went into an organisation. I was the first ever internal accountant they ever had. And it was a reasonable large retailer. And uh, because I'd been on the shop floor, I actually understood a bit of the mechanics of how retail works. And... Um, it was very interesting. They had this beautiful $300,000 computer sitting, which is, again, a lot of money in those days, sitting over in the corner doing their debtors and credits ledger. They were sending those ledgers off to their external accountant to have the finances sent back mm-hmm. to them 90 days later. <laughs> so this company was slowly going, shall we say, uh, under yeah. because they weren't getting real-time information. Yeah, And so for me it was... I had a hostile external accountant who saw his fees disappearing because coming. I had a bank that said, do we foreclose? And I said, so I've only been here two weeks. And you just, <laughs> just, just wait. <laughs> just wait another <laughs> week or two and I'll let you know. Um, yeah. I think, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was actually quite an interesting role because it taught me the importance of hiring the right people. Uh, it was a family business, so I had to deal with the family dynamics. So before, prior to that, I'd worked for you know large corporates yeah. and those type of things. And so systems and processes and a family company, it was uh, whatever the rules are today is what I thought of last night. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, what was okay yesterday is not going to be okay tomorrow. <laughs> and so I went, all right, well, this is going to be interesting. And um, we eventually got that computer system working. Eventually we got the thing working, and this fellow was in danger of losing his business to the point that we turned around and he was able to buy his beloved cattle farm. Oh, wow. Right, so the banks actually gave him more money as opposed to trying to take it off him. And, yeah. we, and we ended up, I mean, I, I, I like IT. I think IT is a, is a business enabler mm. and uh, used properly. Uh, if you're a slave to IT, then you've got the wrong IT package. Um, and I designed a point of sale system that was integrated all the way through to purchasing. So the the, ga- the, the guys on um, the shop floor could actually indent a container that wasn't due in for another three months, but they knew it was coming in because it had all the, the documentation required. It freed up working capital by millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And and so it was actually quite exciting to see that was and that was a point of sale system that I developed and it was probably about 1991. Wow. Um, and that's why I say that's the engineering side kind of stuff. Mm, well, we've got yeah. to, there's a, got to be a better, faster way of doing this. That's right. And and uh, you know people writing up these paper dockets and they're sending it around and things were getting lost and customers were getting upset and yeah you know, we had and this this particular retailer service the building industry. 
and uh, some of the big names that are still around today um, tend to be very unforgiving if you don't deliver their product mm. when they need it because mm. you know building is still a bit more like that just-in-time manufacturing you know, yeah, 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 that those things don't arrive when I want them to arrive it stops everything so we, we managed to solve that problem and uh, solved a lot of issues around uh, stock outs and uh, you know to the point we actually had factories giving us consignment stock, millions of dollars worth of consignment stock because they trusted our systems and processes. Right. And the people were doing it. So right. yeah. yeah, no, that's that's actually the entrepreneurial accountants. Like, you know, the, there's t types of accountants. Like, some of them just want to maintain what is in there instead of change it because, but some of them, like, you know, yourself, you go in and, you know, you see it's not connected, so you go and connect the dots. So, which is a challenge. It's always a challenge, and especially in a family um, business. It's not always welcomed, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but it's, you know, if you are passionate about what you do and, yeah. and you are looking at um, what's the end game, the end game is your customers have to be happy. And yeah, if your customers have to be happy, what do you need to do to that's do that? Right. And you keep working yeah. down until you get to uh, the root cause of why that's happening. Um, and I said, because we had great sales guys, I mean, mm. they were, and they were just as frustrated as anybody else. So mm. for me to That's get right. what I wanted to do, I actually got the sales guys on site, yeah. mm -hmm. and then they worked with me, and we developed it, and we got it to a point where everyone went, "Wow, this actually works!" Mm. Mm. Surprise. <laughs> forgive, forgive my ignorance, but the um, the technology back then that was was that just developed to be able to do oh, something no, like we, that? Or was we, that we'd actually done, just gone past gas lanterns. Um, okay. Uh, no, this. Um, <laughs> So in those days, they were micro, you know, microcomputers. Right, right, okay. So, you know, I was working with deck back, you know, digital vaxes and, and uh, um, I've forgotten the name of the other one, but they were big, clunky machines. Right. Um, that, you know, you'd look at them now, so I wouldn't use that to turn on my washing machine, <laughs> right? But they worked. Mm. And uh, I had learned a bit of programming through my engineering, so I actually would dabble mm. in that. Okay. Uh, not 4GL like it is now. There was 1GL back then. Um in fact, I was I, I did uh, some projects within the Brisbane City Council when I was uh, studying uh, back in the mid '80s, and I was on working some Lord Mayor projects. Then I went into this is during the whole transformation of uh, Sally Ann Atkinson. She was transforming the Brisbane City Council, and so I ended up writing on one GL their whole trust account ledgers and their um, debtors ledgers, and they were. Basically, the old cards, you know, the old counting machines, yeah. and you know, the, the women who knew their stuff backwards. And don't you ever go near their machine? It was putting <laughs> their cards it. in, putting it in. And I think, wow, I, I, this is good. I've seen history. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and so then I just wrote these programs, got it signed off by the Queensland Audit Office, and away we went. And I think they used that for a few years after I left. And but that's what I'm saying. It was about taking. Uh, using technology for the benefit yeah. so mm. I can get reports out a lot faster. I didn't have to mm. wait on anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was looking after all the trusts' monies at one point in the in the treasury. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a that's how I like IT. Yeah, yeah, right. Cool. So, what was next? So then I uh, went into the mining game, and okay. uh, it was big boys' toys, and <laughs> uh, I started off in the explosives industry, and uh, that was a bit of fun. I have to say, so we had all the majors as our clients uh, operated here and offshore. Uh, and what I found fascinating, again, was the technology aspect of it because we'd have everything from, you know, the, the basic end for ammonium nitrate fuel oil through to uh, we were using water gels, which is used in very wet blast holes. 
and I got to walk around a whole lot of coal mines and gold mines and iron ore mines. You know, it was a bit of fun, and I thought, wow, these these trucks are big, and um, and I even got to. I probably shouldn't say that. I got to let a few shots off, and in those days you probably could. These days you'd be shot for it. <laughs> uh, just little ones, and and um, so yeah, it was a bit of fun. Yeah, and um, yeah, learn a lot because I was dealing uh, again. That was the company I was uh, number two in, and I, w- I was working for an American company. You know, mm. we were the, the Australasian side of it, and um, Americans don't understand time zone differences. I get one one o'clock in the morning. Have you got right. the fax yet? Where'd you send the fax? I sent it to the <laughs> office. Well, I'm not in the office. Well, you're not well today. No, I actually I was sleeping. <laughs> you know, thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that, that was you know, that was five years of basically twenty four seven. Wow. And uh, because you get the different time zones, yeah. in operations across different time zones. You know, from Pacific Islands through to uh, we we're buying our product out of South Africa and, and uh, Europe and China and those things and we're positioned we'd buy we'd actually bring them in on whole vessels like we'd charter a whole oh, vessel right. and bring them in and, and that part of the world fell under my remit and um, right. sometimes a ship would go missing yeah, or right. sometimes a some product would go missing too. <laughs> I'd imagine <laughs> which was never which was never good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but on the sea is not here. Well, before it got onto the sea, um, we obviously had very tight controls around it, even back then, pre uh, the events of two thousand and one. Sure. So twenty four seven for five years. Did that take a toll? It did. Yeah. 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 I'm, look at me. You know, I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm actually ten years younger than I look. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, it did, and, and what I did is I took a, a break out of commerce, and I actually went and ran a professional services firm for a few years, and that was interesting. Um, that I have to say probably taught me the importance of EQ yeah, right. over mm. IQ. Okay. Because with a machine, you can tell the machine you can just turn on, turn off, you know, yeah. tear it apart, whatever. Mm. Humans sort of object to that. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, they do. big time. Oh, yeah, they do. And and, and so. Um, yeah, that was an interesting journey. Um, as they say, you do it once, you don't need to do it again. Um, <laughs> but it taught me a lot about what I was able to withstand. And, you know, it was, it was about culture development. It was about transforming businesses. Um, it was about people being on the same page and all that, you know. And it's very hard to herd cats. Mm. But, we ma- but we managed to herd them for a few years. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, we took that to being quite a profitable practice within the, the network. And, uh, you know, we had about 100 and... 50 people I think were good mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. uh, so I again enjoyed growing it mm-hmm. enjoyed making it work enjoyed yep. the the dynamics of uh, uh, using my EQ rather than my IQ yeah mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but that also takes its toll as well because mm-hmm. that wears you down mm-hmm. um, so then I just went back out into commerce again yeah right <laughs> but it was it was a bit of fun I mean I, I work with some very good people and mm. um, you know you just can't, you know, you've got to, that's why I think I learned how to really get people to perform as opposed to just saying, just go and do what I told yeah. you. Yeah, about. right. Yeah. Okay. So when you say you learned how to get people to perform, have you got any specifics there of how you could, how you went about that? Well, uh, it was interesting because this organisation was the result of a merger between two organisations. And I actually had turned one around and went back out into commerce and uh, I just went back. Uh, for a variety of reasons, went back well, after they'd done the merger. They had a, a CEO in place um, who, for whatever reason, didn't work out, and they kept on saying, "How do we do this?" And I thought it's probably easier if I just go back for a while. Um, and 
so the ones I'd work with um, knew me backwards. The ones that I hadn't worked with thought, uh oh, uh, Andrew's here. And again, cutting a long story short, the guys that I didn't know very well, because they actually came up to me and said, you're just going to put in systems that the other organisation did. And I said, well, they're actually mine. Right? Mm. I developed them. And yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to take those systems, take the systems you've got, look for what's best, put them together, and then we'll have a brand new set of systems and processes and rules and whatever you want to call it, because it's a very proceduralised business. Mm. Um, and we'll end up with what I would call being best fit for the organisation. So after a little while, they, um, the, 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 the members of staff or members of the management team that hadn't worked with me for long said, we noticed that the guys you used to work with, they actually interact with you s differently uh, to what we're doing. I said, yeah, no, I've got that, and we're, we're working on that. I said, but one thing we've noticed, we used to think that we were being treated well and you know, we were on top of our game, but now we realised we were being condescended to and we were actually being, you know, because you treat your managers like managers. Mm. Uh, so, so for me, you don't give people titles and then look over their shoulders every five mm. minutes because if you have to do that, you've got the wrong people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I made sure I had the right people. And, and these the, the ones that barely knew me over a period of six months, they got to understand that, yep, actually, he's not as big and ugly as he looks. Um, and, you know, we got on fine. Mm. You know, it's, yeah, and at the end of the day, got to the place we needed to get to, which is everybody's working together. Mm. But, you know... People have these walls that they put up, mm. yeah. and, and and they try and say, "Well, I'm bigger and better than you," and I mm. just say, "Well, okay, you're probably right, but what are we going to do today?" <laughs> mm. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so what next? What's next? Um, as I said, I've taken a career break, and I've been looking, mm -hmm. you know, helping some guys with them mergers and acquisitions, helping some guys with them U.S. bond raise, and. Right now, I'm sort of thinking about uh, what I want to do next, which I think is back in this, you know, back as a CEO. Mm -hmm. um, I've enjoyed my charity work, and but uh, my wife tells me I've been around a bit too much, and um, right. and Qantas, Alan Joyce is ringing me saying, you know, you know, we haven't spent as much money this year. What's going on? So yes, I think <laughs> yeah. I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be back on the road soon. I think yeah. yeah cool. So so when you're looking for something like that, or you're thinking of going into a leadership role, CEO, whatever, what what are you looking for now? Well, for me, uh, to be honest, titles are largely relevant because I've had most of them. Yeah, right. If yeah. not all of them. Yeah. Um, and large and small companies. What I'm really after now is that who am I going to be working with? Mm. Am I going to be learning from them as much as I can teach them? <laughs> and um, have we got each other's back? You mm -hmm. know, because a team is only as good as as its weakest part. Mm. And yeah. and so, you know, and you know, I've walked into some teams, um, and you know. You do have to replace people from time to time, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, thankfully, the ones that get it, the ones that deselect faster than the ones you have to um, unselect themselves. Um, so for me, it's about, can I look you in the eye and say, I know that we're actually going to enjoy working together. Mm. So for I've turned down roles where mm. I just don't feel that the chemistry's there. Yeah. You know? Um, it's very easy to, to say, I'll go work here, here's a prestigious company and uh, here's a fancy title mm. and rah, 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 and I won't mention names, but there's some big global ones. I've just said, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, after meeting their, their senior guys, I went, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's not me. Yeah. You know? I, I actually like, I'm not too worried whether it's a big company or a small company. What I do like to be able to do is to interact 
with the people, the people who actually make the money. Mm. I don't make the money. Mm. So, you know, if you look at the traditional uh, management structure of there's the pyramid and there's the CEO sitting at the top, uh, I take a view the CEO sits at the bottom and I'm supporting everybody else to do their job mm. to make right. sure the organisation gets its outcome. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's a, that's a great, great way of looking at it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I call the chief everything officer. Yeah. Right. Right. yeah. Uh, and so, <clears throat> okay, sometimes you have to play the CEO in capital letters and sometimes you can just be the CEO mm. or sometimes you can just be Andrew. Yeah, you know? of course. And, and so that's not, again, not for everybody. But, you know, I do enjoy organisations that have technology in them. I do enjoy, like I said earlier, the transformations and turnarounds and growth stories. I like those. Um, certainly uh, things where you just walk in today and pull a lever and tomorrow pull another lever and go home at five o'clock. I just, not it's you. just not in me. Like yeah. I wish it was sometimes, I have to yeah. say. It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. But, um, you know, I like the, uh, the stuff that... Uh, other people might walk away from mm, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. sensible people <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like it's not necessarily industry specific that you really care about no it's I've, I've been very fortunate i've had a f- uh, whilst i've been predominantly resources yeah and a lot of people know me as a, as a resources guy um yeah so i've done any number of other industries you know whether it's retail wholesale manufacturing um professional services you know i've even dabbled a little bit in it and, and a bit of I, uh, biotech as well so i think it's about having an open mind and being adaptable to yeah. what you what you have in front of you because if you try everybody walks in with a core set of skills and a, and a way of looking at things but if you keep to that rigidly you're yeah. going to miss the bigger picture that's right um so for me when i walk in and uh, i'm running a business i know i don't know everything mm. but i make sure i've got people around me that know something yeah. you know um, and they, they make up what I don't have mm-hmm. my job is to keep them motivated my job is to keep them on track my job is to get the projects delivered my job is to keep the company profitable because I look at my role again whether it doesn't matter what title it has is I'm responsible for people you know and if I make a bad decision it mm-hmm. can actually have an implica- implications for the whole of the company not just for that little part mm-hmm. um, and so I take that seriously, you know. Uh, the last role I had, and uh, we were responsible. We had, it wasn't a big organisation. We had about twelve hundred people working there, but we were responsible for about eleven thousand families. Yeah. Right. Just through direct and indirect. So, mm. to me, if you, as a leader, if you're looking at what is that decision going to do further down the chain, mm. then you think about it a little differently. To then, okay, well, here's the outcome, and mm-hmm. next. Right. And so it sounds like a lot, a lot of responsibility. Um, has that always been something you've been able to, to shoulder? Because, you know, for, uh, I think I'd be probably someone who'd crumble under that situation if I had that many people that were depending on my potentially yeah. bad decisions not to be made. <laughs> um, let's say as you get older, you learn how to deal with the better. Right. You know, and I think that um, the experience, you know, you know, well, okay, if I've done it this way in this set of circumstances and that worked... Yeah. I might tweak that and do that over here, but you've got to monitor as well. So I don't get terribly upset, uh, and certainly if if my um, fellow managers make a mistake, I don't go down there and beat them up. I say, mm-hmm. okay, what did we learn? Mm-hmm. How yeah. did I do that again? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what I do when I join an organisation, I sit down and sit down with the team and say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I've done. 
this is how many kids I've got, you know, all that type of thing. So they mm. see him as a human rather than mm. this yeah. person coming That's in important. as a as uh, you know somebody with a position and a title mm. and, and supposedly all this authority. For me, it's getting them to see that well, he's approachable. He can come. We mm. can come and talk to him. Because uh, I always say to people, we're all going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes, mm. and I expect you to tell me mm. if I'm going down the wrong path. Likewise, if you make a mistake, I want you to tell me. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get upset that you've made one, but I am going to get upset if you try and hide it. Mm. Yeah, no. You know, right. and, and so you've got to create that open environment. Yeah. And I think, again, that's something you learn as you, <laughs> you go through the, the journeys. Mm. You know? Yeah, sure. It's an interesting point. Like, you know, when you're first trying to be, a, you know, the CEO or CFO, you always try to use your designation as the, you know, weapon. But when you get there, it's all about the human connection. So you go down to that and then try to connect at the human level, which is a very different level of connection and which is more sustainable. Yes. And yeah, so I think that's what happens in, when you get go high in the rank and then you start to think, you know, step down and think that way instead of, you know, trying to use your authority over the people. Authority is only um, useful for a limited time. Yeah, exactly. Because you only need to do one thing. They always say, why did you do that? And your authority, your, your implied authority is gone. You still might have the title authority, yeah. but you may not necessarily have the moral authority moral anymore. Authority, yeah. So... Uh, that's why I think you've got to connect with people at a, and it's why I enjoy walking the shop floor. I mean, there's a company I'm chairman of. Uh, uh, I will try and get to the factories that we have, and we've got, you know, about I think from memory about 600 employees. When I first joined it, um, we had uh, about 60 people in one dinky little factory in in Acacia Ridge. Now we've got operations in Bangladesh and uh, Kuala Lumpur and. Uh, Ho Chi Minh and, and Phnom Penh and Brisbane and Melbourne and sales offices in those countries and also in the UK and Singapore. So you go, well, that's an organisation that, you know, it's got a unique culture about it, but it certainly has grown to a point where I, as the chair, will go and try and make sure I still connect with them. Mm. So people still, you know, the long-termers particularly know who I am and, you know, because I was there from the time we bought the businesses through to to now. And it's great to go out and talk to them, you mm. know, and, and talk to the, the guys on the shop floor and then talk to the sales guys. And then you, by then you've got an idea of what's going on. And then mm. by the time I talk to the country GMs, they already know I know what's going on. And, <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and then, you have a, then you have a chat to them about what you've seen. Yeah. Uh, and like the CEO is a very dynamic individual. I mean, it's a, again, a family business, but it's a business that's now turning over more per month than what it was per year mm. um, when, I, when I first joined. Mm. And how much of this thinking do you put down to those two years as the retail assistant back in the day? Um, well, even then I took a, a different approach to doing retail. Right. Apparently, the parts of, the, of that department store that I was responsible for was more profitable than other parts okay. as well. And, and I think, maybe it's because I understood maths, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I get the GP right. But it was, um, it was a human interaction because you're trying to actually understand um, how do I make that sale? Because mm. at the end of the day, whether you're an accountant or a salesperson, you are trying to make a sale. As an accountant, you're trying to sell what you know to somebody who actually doesn't necessarily know yeah. they want what you have or actually wants what you have but doesn't know how to interpret it. <coughs> so I think life's one big sell. Yeah, right. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so um, we'll, we'll wrap up soon, but I did hear that you're quite the golfer. Is that true? Uh, I have been in the past, I have to say. <laughs> and and uh, I, uh, 
lay claim to a, to a hole in one. Uh, yep. and, and all I can say is thankfully in golf you don't have to draw, draw diagrams. <laughs> 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 so I'm still going to claim the hole in one, but uh, no diagrams for it. Right. <laughs> right. right. Very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, um, thanks for coming along and sharing your story with yeah. us today, Andrew. It's been really enlightening. Um, where's some places some people can find you our listeners and whatnot where would be best to go to get in contact uh, well i'm certainly on linkedin yep uh so you'll you'll find me there um and that's probably the best place i guess initially to get hold of me cool. um, or walking down queen street awesome <laughs> yep. thank you very much. andrew rogers on linkedin <laughs> search for it All right. okay. thanks very much awesome thank you andrew great thanks Thanks for listening to this episode of the Books to the Boardroom podcast. Show notes can be found at briska.com.au slash podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast.